Welcome back to the Strategic Meeting Tech Podcast. The Strategic Meeting Tech Podcast is your podcast source for news and discussion of the meetings and events industry. Each week, we bring you stories of new technologies, new ideas, and new directions that will directly affect all of us in the meetings and events industry. I'm your host, John Trask. I'm a CMP, a CMM, and I'm a 30-year veteran of both the audiovisual and meetings and events industry. And welcome back to the Strategic Meeting Tech Podcast. Uh, Today we have a special guest who's on. He's a a professional speaker and advocacy consultant, uh, and his website is rogerrickard.com, or Voices in Advocacy, you can find him under. Uh, Welcome to the show, Roger. Hey, John. Good morning, and how are you today? Oh, it's great. It's great to talk to you again. Back in my uh, previous life, uh, you and I had talked numerous times on the podcast that we did then. So it's uh, great to reconnect with you. And uh, I'm really interested in catching up on some of the work you've been doing uh, within the industry to advocate for us and to just help people um, kind of expand the reach and knowledge about what we uh, what we do in the meetings and events industry. You know, John, uh, every time we have a conversation, it seems to uh, dive into topics that we never knew where we were going to go. So it's a pleasure to be with you again. <laughs> well, it's uh, it's always fun, like I say. So let's uh, let's kind of, I think the, the main reason that I wanted to talk to you today is I know that you've been doing some work with uh, IAEE, the Exhibitions and Events uh, Group. And uh, they've been doing a lot on advocacy. There are some things that we'll probably get into. But uh, why don't you give me kind of an overview of where where you're at and what Exhibitions Mean Business is all about? Yeah, first of all, uh, I am a uh, consultant for the International Association of Exhibitions and Events. That's part of what I do for a living as a professional speaker and as a consultant. And uh, the client... Uh, here is International Association of Exhibitions and Events, commonly known as IAEE, uh, and they have really done some fabulous work uh, working together. We began by doing a, uh, a strategic analysis of, of their advocacy needs and desires, and part of IAE's strategic plan is really focusing on two different pillars. Uh, one on education, and one on being the advocate for the exhibitions and trade show uh, industry. And so that's where I come into into play is working with them. And they have a great platform under Exhibitions Mean Business. Anybody that's interested in that can go to exhibitionsmeanbusiness.org. And on that platform, we work together with their PR team and their communications team, as well as with the, uh, the CEO of IAE, which probably everybody here knows, is David Dubois. And uh, working together, we've done a tremendous amount of work really advocating on behalf of the industry and their supporters and partners and coalition advocates uh to do a number of different things. I know, uh, I know looking from, uh, uh, at the website itself that there are some updates and that there have been, um, like 2,600 media hits on it, uh, 750 million impressions and 70 million in publicity. So it seems like it's, uh, working well to, uh, get the word out. 
Boy, isn't that impressive, huh? Yeah, yeah. Those are some uh, some great numbers, and really, really appreciate it. It was it was something I was kind of thinking about before we started the uh, the chat today. Just how how many people have really realized that our industry needs a better voice and a, a better awareness. Um, out there from government and and the general public and people just don't really still recognize what we do and what we bring to the economy. Well, the, yes, there's absolutely that. And and the thing of it is that there's a number of different key stakeholder groups. Uh, you know, of course, government elected officials are a stakeholder group. Media is a stakeholder group. People within the industry are stakeholder groups as well as, and maybe this is the most important group, is the businesses that rely on and conduct their business through exhibitions and trade shows. Uh, That's one side of it. Mm -hmm. The side that actually use that as a vehicle to conduct their commerce. But think about the other side. It's all the people that attend those exhibitions and trade shows and rely on getting the latest innovations in the industry, the latest uh, technologies in the industry, as well as the latest products and services that are available to them that expand their business. And, you know, there have been times when people have said to me, well, that's great for the big cities that hold these exhibitions and events. But I want to caution people it's not only those cities that do the that that have the facilities let's say the convention centers and the halls Mm -hmm. that hold these events but think about the businesses that purchase those events the purchases the purchases (laughs) those goods and services sure sure It, it hits every single congressional district in every town in every state in America, as well as internationally. But if we put it in the context of the United States, you know, you could have businesses that are in small towns in Montana that rely on creating the relationships and buying the goods and services that allowed their businesses to go. It's, it's about the commerce. Well, and I, I mean, I was just at the CMP Conclave in Baltimore, and my mind goes when we're talking about smaller communities to a couple of different people that I met and interacted with uh, at length, and we talked quite a bit. And they were both in very rural areas. One of them was on a research, uh, basically farm type area where they research agricultural things, and they bring people in to this small town in Oklahoma to learn about the latest innovations in agriculture and help people be better farmers and more profitable and that sort of thing. And another planner was with uh, an educational association in the farm industry that's been around a hundred and something years. And again, it's an association that makes sure that people have the latest knowledge. And they're not people who are based in LA or New York. They're, they're based in Oklahoma and, and in a small town in Colorado. Well, it's ironic that you bring up the farming industry and the food, kind of the food industry, is I've been doing an awful lot of work with the American Farm Bureau and speaking to them about creating a new uh, 
engaged group of advocates, everything from dealing with up and coming uh, people in the farm industry from high school groups. I've been doing uh, youth education programs. I uh, keynoted that they're young farmers and ranchers conference. And the thing that's really interesting with them is their move to try to get more millennials involved in that because of the attacks that are happening in that industry. I don't want to get off topic there. Sure, sure. But it is amazing that we need constantly to be looking for new advocates that can speak out and tell their own personal stories uh, that reach others. And that's what educates the media. That's what educates uh, elected officials on what are people on the ground dealing with, the people in the trenches. And that's the work that we've been doing with IEE and Exhibitions Mean Business is trying to get more people involved and more people engaged and to reach out. And you, you brought up the media. You know, the 750 million impressions this year alone for Exhibitions Mean Business and our Exhibitions Day that we hold in June. That's pretty impressive. That is. And it, it's so necessary. I mean, I've, I've heard media reports and things in the past that really, I, I mean, they're, they're reporters, but they don't necessarily grasp how our industry works or what it does. And that goes clear back to the, the economic meltdown that was, you know, seven, eight years ago. Um, I recall, you know, during that time, we've had a number of sort of national issues that came out like you're not going to meet at resorts or things like that and that comes from a lack of knowledge and a lack of understanding of exactly what benefits are made from having a meeting and from getting people together in one place and i remember a keynote that you did at the uh at the cmp conclave in spokane a few years ago when you were kind of our our lead guy there and uh it was just talking about how everything comes from meetings and how important it is to put people together in a room and give them an opportunity to learn from each other and to create things. It doesn't happen in a vacuum. Someone just doesn't come up with a cure for a disease in a vacuum. Well, you know, historically, if you think back, there's a a lot that you said in those statements there. But historically, if you look back, uh, whether it be meetings, uh, events, trade shows, anything like that, that's how society has engaged. We can go way back to the caveman, if you, if you really want, when they gathered inside the cave and they scrawled on the walls and those, those petroglyphs, they were really transferring the best practices of their day to the next generation. Mm-hmm. This is how you survive. This is how you eat. This is how you hunt. This is how you fish. And if we look at just the founding of our country, uh, you know, it began with a meeting. Right. Uh, And when they got together in Philadelphia and started talking about what do we do, how do we deal with the issues that concern us here in the colonies and dealing with the British Empire, uh, that led to the Declaration of Independence. They came back into Philadelphia 12 years later, and they they met for three months face-to-face, had subcommittee meetings, breakouts, if you will. Mm Mm-hmm. And they came up with the, the, the great document of the U.S. Constitution that uh, has allowed us to survive uh, and prosper ever since that time. And the other 
kind of comment that I would make is you mentioned the CMP conclave, and that's for certified meeting professionals, uh, which is managed and run by the Convention Industry Council. And over the years, I've done an awful lot of work with the Convention Industry Council in regards to that, and I'm still working with them now. We are working in conjunction with them on one of the pieces of legislation that we brought forth at Exhibitions Day in June that we're still working on and partnering with uh, ASAE as well as, uh, so that's the American Society of Association Executives, Mm -hmm. as well as the American Hotel and Lodging Association on online booking scams. Mm. And it's interesting that it really, really affects the exhibitions industry an awful lot where these sweatshops, if you will, get set up and they start making calls saying that we've got room blocks for XYZ convention or XYZ uh, exhibition and trade show, and they're not part of the official room blocks. I've, uh, I've gotten those solicitations myself for various so, shows. And, and so have I. And uh, that is a major, major concern because if you're the meeting planner out there and you're dealing with committing to room blocks and now you have an organization out there that's quasi representing themselves as being the official housing company mm-hmm. for those conventions and they're not uh, – then those planners aren't meeting their room blocks. Uh, the hoteliers and the facilities within that city are getting scammed out of being able to really capture the total spend of that particular uh, event, uh, meeting, or uh, exhibition. So how does somebody get involved in helping to uh, advocate in this way? Do they go to Exhibitions Day in, in June each year, or is there something they can do on a local level? Should they contact people? Well, I think there's a couple of ways to go about this. One, if you go to exhibitionsmeanbusiness.org, you can uh, learn about the issues. You can learn uh, about what the campaign's doing overall. I think it's important that people work day in and day out in casual conversations. Uh, You know, everything is local. And and by making people aware locally of what you do and how you do it, that's vitally important. Another step is that if you're a member of any of the organizations that kind of come together under the coalition umbrella, for Exhibitions Day, and I think there's 18 of them, and you can find who they are, but in a nutshell, there are groups like ASAE and MPI and PCMA and and uh, IAEE, uh, IAVM. I mean, we can go on with the acronym SOUP, <laughs> but if you're a member of any of those organizations, you can easily participate in Exhibitions Day An Exhibitions Day does cost you nothing to attend. That is being underwritten by uh, the people that support this coalition and cause. And what we do there is we bring you in, you you come into Washington, D.C., we arrange for meetings with congressional staff and members of Congress. Uh, You're briefed and given opportunities to learn what those issues are. Those issues change every year based on 
uh, first and foremost, what's on the agenda and the congressional docket. And you go to those meetings on Capitol Hill and you tell them about what your organization does, how it gets impacted by the legislation in which we're asking them to either reconsider uh, or support. And mm -hmm. sometimes it's not support, but hey, there's a piece of legislation out there that can do harm to our industry, and you need to be aware of how it will hurt the industry and how it hurts people within your congressional districts. Well, I know there's uh, there's something right now that's pretty burning on that topic, and that's the overtime, the uh, FLSA overtime exemption rule. And we talked to Jim Clark about that uh, at some length a couple weeks ago on the podcast. But I know that's an example of something where they're trying to um, work on sort of stretching it out over a longer period of time and making it uh, be clarified a little bit better so that it doesn't impact us so immediately and so heavily. Well, I don't think, yeah, and, and, and Jim Clark has been a great advocate and partner with uh, Exhibitions Day and Exhibitions Mean Business on that very topic. And in fact, we had him as one of our panelists uh, as far as uh, the prep work during the Exhibitions Day uh, to help people handle that issue. What's interesting about that is that the Department of Labor just said, here are the new rules, here are the new thresholds, and you've got to do this by X date. And quite frankly, people were not budgeting for that, and were not planned for that, and that has an undue impact. Not necessarily that we would want to eliminate the ability for people to, you know, get that overtime, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. but let's spread that out, as you pointed out earlier, that, that Jim sponsored that. And there's been some movement on this. That's good. Good. Uh, and uh, it takes a broad-based coalition. And I think it's vitally important that the meetings industry and the exhibitions industry continue to pay attention to that. Well, I know uh, I, I'm, uh, again, on the exhibitionsmeanbusiness.org website, and I'll put a link to that in the write-up for the uh, podcast as well. But I went to the um, sort of uh, take action page, which is uh, under, let's see, it's under advocacy, the advocacy center. And there's a lot of good information there and some nice links to help you write a letter to Congress um, in support of some of these things that we're talking about um, and ways to uh, get involved in that way of working with your local uh, congressional and, and Senate representatives. Yeah, and, and, and I've put a lot of those pieces together uh, along with the PR firm, uh, Edelman, that uh, is engaged in this as well. And we've worked together on making sure that, uh, that we communicate these things to Congress and that we make sure that they're aware of it. And one of the things that always is missing uh, that people overlook is in any of these pieces of legislation, and, and you look at them by either Senate number, bill number, or, or House resolution number, uh, and you can go to congress.gov, mm -hmm. and you can put those numbers in, and you can see who has signed on to co-sponsor, who's supporting it, whether it's a bipartisan bill. And if it happens to be that you're a member of Congress or you're 
United States senator has supported that. You know, a nice little handwritten thank you note to them saying, listen, thank you for supporting this. This is important to our industry. And here's how it affects me personally. Uh, let's them know that we care when they actually do something good for us. You know, I think that's one of the things that, that sometimes gets lost, uh, particularly in, in a heated campaign year, is that civility and that ability to talk about issues that are important to us and still maintain uh, friendships and, and maintain just being able to uh, to be nice to each other and recognize their positions. And saying thank you is a, is a huge piece of that. Just, uh, just reaching out and saying, I appreciate what you've done here um, really goes a long way. I mean, everybody likes to get a thank you note. Are we in a heated election? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely we are, yeah. And, and you know, that's, an interest, that, that, that's interesting in the first place because I, I hope that we have reached the apex of this discourse that's in our government right now and, and with the citizens. I'm hoping that once we get past this presidential election and, uh, and move forward, I think the hardest task all of the elected officials are going to have is saying, okay, the rhetoric is over. How do we heal? How do we come together? How do we start doing things that are um, important to the entire community, to the entire country. Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen, but I really hope that we're at that apex now where we start to go back. It, it kind of goes in waves. You know, you can look back, you know, 40 years ago and there was a lot of discourse. Right. You can look back 80 years ago and there's a lot of discourse. You look back 100, they, these waves seem to go in about 40 year increments. Mm hmm. And uh, historically, I, I hope that we start to come out of that because we are a divided nation yes, and we, yes. need, we need to heal. Well, and, but, and it, you know, it, all of these things require some uh, ability to listen to the other side and some ability to, uh, to compromise. Uh, even going back to those framers of the Constitution you were talking about, when they went into those breakout committee meetings and... No one, no one went in and dictated. This is how this is going to be from either side. It was, it was political. It was a uh, what people do when they sit down in a room and they try and figure out how to best serve the common interests of everyone. And people can advocate strongly for one side or another of a position, but in the end, you've got to find some compromise and harmony and way to work together on things. And that's uh, something I think we've lacked uh, lately that I hope goes away after this election cycle as well. Listen, we, we, we all want to be right. We all want it our way. But if you, if you just look at everyday common activities, uh, you know, if you're married, you're compromising. <laughs> uh, and I don't mean that in a negative way no. at all. I mean that you care enough about the other party that you want to find a way to make it work for all sides. Uh, if you have, you know, a sibling, oftentimes within a family setting, you're compromising on some things. Mm -hmm. And we lose sight of that 
And oftentimes we think our side's the only side and we must maintain this absolute principle doctrine that I'm not going to budge. Right. And I think that's harmful to us. I think you have to sit down and say, okay, where do we agree? Mm -hmm. And start listing all the things that we can agree on and then start finding ways that we can move forward with the agreements rather than starting with this is how we're so polarized. This is what we disagree with. And we've got to separate those two out. And, uh, and that goes with everything, you yeah. know, that goes in your work life. When you go to work every morning and deal with other people, uh, there is give and take. Uh, and it's important that we do not hold elected officials to this strict set of principles so that they're not backed in a corner. Right now, I think a lot of people feel like they're backed in a corner. Mm -hmm. And if they ever compromise, that's a dirty word. And we got to get rid of that. Fast, yeah. furious. Yeah, I can, I can think of examples, and I don't want to politicize this at all, but I can think of examples from both sides of the aisle in the past in history where, where one side or the other has had to say, okay, to make this work, we'll give you this point and but we want this point and i mean to me that's always how the political process works it's not pretty it's not always what everyone wants but we've got you know millions and millions of people and not everybody's going to get a hundred percent of exactly what they believe unfortunately it just isn't going to work that way ever like you say whether it's in your family or whether it's within your workplace or whether it's within your government Listen, it shouldn't be political. What it should be is about life. It should be about how do we move and work together and not make this political. And uh, that's a topic for another day because yes. I'm on and on and on and on about this. But I, but yes. And that's, you know, when, when you do the work that we're doing with Exhibitions Mean Business, it's about sitting down and hearing the other side and understanding why it's important for them to know about what we do and how we do it. When we go to Capitol Hill and we sit down and we talk with members of Congress and or their staff, we talk about educating them. Mm -hmm. It's not about putting a hammer down and saying, you must do it this way. It's about saying you need to know and understand how this affects your constituents. Right. You know, when a doctor, when you go to a, a, the doctor, the doctor may say to you, listen, this is how this is going to affect you. And you need to listen and understand how it's going to affect you and try to correct whatever that is. Uh, same thing happens and, and by the way, the thing I want to really point out is most people do not believe that by meeting with elected officials, it makes a difference. And the Congressional Management Foundation has done incredible amount of work in analyzing what influences a member of Congress. And I will tell you, first and foremost, the top of the list is constituent meetings 
engagement and correspondence with constituents. By far much more powerful than lobbying and or money in campaigns, contrary to what we want to believe mm -hmm. when we read and hear the news every day. And it, in fact, if I can add one more thing real quick is, I've got this program that I that I do as a, as a professional speaker and, and a keynote, and it's called Elephants Don't Bite, Donkeys Don't Kick. <laughs> and the point of that is the two symbols of our political parties are the elephant and the donkey. Right. And contrary to what people believe is, they're not going to bite you. They're not going to kick you when you want to go tell them about the issues that concern you. And so by meeting with elected officials, it's vitally important. And I, and I outline that in a fun kind of engaging way in those keynotes to, uh, to get people to understand that it's our responsibility to speak out. That's what we're doing with everything with exhibitions mean business. Mm -hmm. You know, the, con the Constitution and the preamble of the Constitution begins with we the people of the United States. It doesn't begin with I the king <laughs> or I the president or we the Congress of the United States mandate. It's we the people. And it is incumbent upon the way our political system works that we the people are engaged. And that's what everything that we do when it comes to government advocacy, and that's everything that we're doing with exhibitions mean business is saying here, here we are the people of the exhibitions, of the event industry, of the meetings industry, the convention industry. It's we the people want you to know and understand these are the things that either can help us or can hurt us in our daily jobs and the, su the su success of what we do to promote commerce uh, and trade throughout the world. Well, and uh, I, I will put links to all of these sites so that uh, if folks are listening to this and they want a direct link, they can look uh, right on like the blog post. I'll have uh, exhibitionsmeanbusiness.org is probably the most important one of the, uh, of the various places we've talked about. But there's also IAEE, -E, and uh, their website is IAEE.com, and then RogerRickard.com. Uh, that's your site where people can find you for uh, to engage you for speaking and to uh, learn about your advocacy work. I love it. <laughs> well, thank you again so much, Roger, for taking time. And uh, hopefully we, we have a, a broad plan to uh, reconnect again at least once more between now and the election and uh, dive a little bit more deeply into some of these things. But I really appreciate you coming on today and all of the great information uh, and the work that you're doing with uh, Exhibitions Mean Business. John, I thank you. And I thank you for the work that you're doing to help educate and promote uh, strategic meetings and the industry you are a good advocate and i thank you for being so well we'll talk to you again very soon and uh thanks everyone for listening and we'll catch you next time on the strategic meeting tech podcast this has been the strategic meeting tech podcast your podcast source for news and discussions of the meetings and events industry you can find out more about Strategic Meeting Tech at our website, www.strategicmeetingtech.com. There you'll find resources and information about how we help planners to create better audiovisual and technology outcomes at their events. 
Our music is provided by Steph Sachs, under license from the Creative Commons, and you can find out more information and links to the artists there on our website as well. Please send any comments or show suggestions to John, J-O-M, at strategicmeetingtech.com. Thanks for listening.